From Eric Public Media and the Alaska Ice Corporation, this is the podcast Wikiredia, wherein we read from start to finish without comment or commentary the Wikipedia entries that we find most interesting. Today's topic is The Compromise of 1877. It's a bit of an accompaniment episode to Wikiredia episode 123 on U.S. presidential transitions. This episode, The Compromise of 1877, focuses on the resolution of a dispute of the 1876 presidential election between Rutherford B. Hayes and Samuel J. Tilden, which became hotly contested over 20 electoral votes and multiple allegations of voter fraud. The original Wikipedia page lives at wikipedia.org slash wiki slash compromise underscore of underscore 1877. Before we start, we want to know what your favorite Wikipedia pages are. Please send suggestions for future episodes to wikiredia at pm.me. This is The Compromise of 1877, Wikiredia episode number 124, date of production, September 26, 2020, and I'm your host, Eric Gorris. Let's get started. The Compromise of 1877 was an unwritten deal, informally arranged among U.S. congressmen, that settled the intensely disputed 1876 presidential election. It resulted in the United States federal government pulling the last troops out of the South and formally ending the Reconstruction Era. Through the Compromise, Republican Rutherford B. Hayes was awarded the White House over Democrat Samuel J. Tilden on the understanding that Hayes would remove the federal troops whose support was essential for the survival of Republican state governments in South Carolina, Florida, and Louisiana. The compromise involved Democrats who controlled the House of Representatives, allowing the decision of the Electoral Commission to take effect. The outgoing president, Republican Ulysses S. Grant, removed the soldiers from Florida, and then as president, Hayes removed the remaining troops from South Carolina and Louisiana. As soon as the troops left, many white Republican carpetbaggers also left, and the Redeemer Democrats took control. They already dominated other state governments in the South. The exact terms of the agreement are somewhat contested as the documentation is insufficient. Black Republicans felt betrayed as they lost power and were subject to discrimination and harassment to suppress their voting. By 1905, nearly all black men were effectively disenfranchised by state legislatures in every southern state. Terms of the Compromise The compromise essentially stated that Southern Democrats would acknowledge Hayes as president, but only on the understanding that Republicans would meet certain demands. The following elements are generally said to be the points of the compromise. Number one, the removal of all remaining U.S. military forces from the former Confederate states. At the time, U.S. troops remained only in Louisiana, South Carolina, and Florida, but the compromise completed their withdrawal from the region. Point number two, the appointment of at least one Southern Democrat to the Hayes cabinet. David M. Key of Tennessee was appointed as Postmaster General. Number three, 
the construction of another transcontinental railroad using the Texas and Pacific in the south. This had been part of the Scott Plan, proposed by Thomas A. Scott of the Pennsylvania Railroad. He had initiated negotiations resulting in the final compromise. Number four, legislation to help industrialize the South and restore its economy following Reconstruction and the Civil War. Number five, the right to deal with blacks without Northern interference. In exchange, Democrats would accept Republican Hayes as president by not employing the filibuster during the joint session of Congress needed to confirm the election. After the compromise, a few Democrats complained loudly that Tilden had been cheated. There was talk of forming armed units that would march on Washington, but President Grant was ready for that. He tightened military security and nobody marched on Washington. Hayes was peacefully inaugurated. Points one and two of the compromise took effect. Hayes had already announced his support for the restoration of home rule, which would involve federal troop removal before the election. It was not unusual, nor unexpected for a president, especially one so narrowly elected, to select a cabinet member favored by the other party. Points three and four were never enacted. It is possible that there was no firm agreement about them. Whether by informal deal or simply reassurances already in line with Hayes' announced plans, talks with Southern Democrats satisfied the worries of many. This prevented a congressional filibuster that had threatened to extend resolution of the election dispute beyond Inauguration Day 1877. Interpretations Historian C. Van Woodward wrote in 1951 that emerging businesses and industry interests of the New South found common ground with Republican businessmen, particularly with the railroads. They met secretly at Wormley's Hotel in Washington to forge a compromise with aid to internal improvements, such as bridges, canals, and railroads wanted by the South. However, historian Alan Peskin notes that no serious federal effort was made after Hayes took office to fund a railroad or provide other federal aid for improvements. An opposing interest group representing the Southern Pacific actually thwarted Scott's proposed Texas and Pacific scheme and ultimately ran its own line to New Orleans. Some historians, such as Peskin, argue that the assurances offered to the Southern Democrats to prevent a filibuster were not a compromise, but a foregone conclusion, as Tilden did not command sufficient support. Peskin admits that Woodward's interpretation had become almost universally accepted in the nearly quarter century since he had published it. As not all terms of the agreement were met, Peskin believes there was really no deal between the North and the South in 1877. He also suggests that Northern Democrats were more significant in quashing the filibuster than those from the South. For instance, Samuel J. Randall, Democrat of Pennsylvania, was Speaker of the House and prevented the filibuster. He was more interested in ensuing that the radical state government in Louisiana was abandoned than in any Southern railroad. Vincent DeSantis argues that the Republican Party abandoned Southern blacks to the rule of the racist Whig Party in order to gain the support of Democrats for Hayes' presidency. 
In any case, Reconstruction ended. The dominance of the Democratic Party in the South was cemented with the ascent of the Redeemer governments that displaced the Republican governments. After 1877, support for white supremacy generally caused whites to vote for Democrats and the region became known as the Solid South. Until the end of the 19th century, black Republicans continued to elect numerous candidates to local office, although Democrats controlled most state representative and statewide seats, except for a brief period of fusion governments supported by Republicans and populists. The majority of white voters supported national Democratic candidates well into the 20th century before shifting to the Republican Party. This later shift to the Republican Party followed the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which was introduced by Democratic President Lyndon B. Johnson and supported by most Republicans and Northern Democrats. In The Mexicanization of American Politics, colon, The United States' Transnational Path from Civil War to Stabilization of 2012, author Gregory P. Downs rejects the idea that this was an era of easy reconciliation and political stability. Instead, he shows many Americans feared the Mexicanization of politics, whereby force would be used to settle a presidential election, as force had been used to settle certain state elections in the South. Downs explores how Mexicanization was roundly rejected and stability was achieved. Whatever deals may or may not have taken place on the side, in formal legal terms, the election of 1876 was not decided by such acts, but by the official vote of Congress to accept the recommendations of the Electoral Commission they themselves had set up as a way out of the election impasse. The expectation in setting up the committee had been that its decisions would be accepted by Congress. It was only when certain Democrats disagreed with the commission's decisions in favor of Hayes that this arrangement was jeopardized. This Democratic group threatened a filibuster, opposed by Republicans and congressional Democratic leadership as well, that would prevent the agreed-upon vote from taking place. Discussions of the points in the alleged compromise were relating to persuading key Democrats against accepting a filibuster. The very threat of a filibuster, a measure used by a minority to prevent a vote, indicates that there were already sufficient votes for accepting the commission's recommendations. That's it for today's episode of Wikiredia. Look, before you go, be sure to hit subscribe, follow us on Twitter at It's Wikiredia, and tell your friends. What do you want to listen to? Send topic ideas to our email, which is wikiredia at pm.me. Our producer and narrator, that's me, is Eric Gorris. Our engineer is OJ Tingles, and our content editor is Johnny Rocketship. We ask you to support this show by following and sharing, but more importantly, just listening. We also ask that you do your part to support Wikipedia itself by considering a donation to the Wikipedia Foundation. That can be done at wikipedia.org. All, or at least the vast majority, of the words spoken on this show are from the text of Wikipedia entries, and we're using those words under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license, which grants us, and in fact anyone, the right to adapt the original work remix it, and then to distribute and transmit the work even for commercial purposes. This license requires that we name the author of the original work, which in this case is Wikipedia. Wikiredia itself is also distributed under the same Creative Commons attribution, Sharealike 3.0 license. Wikiredia is a production of Eric Public Media and the Alaska Ice Corporation. <laughs>